Today, Laura and I are going to talk about money, mostly because my mom really requested <laughs> that we do a short bonus epi episode that talks about how money functions. And so my mom and I had a long conversation about how men and women think differently about money and how money structures the way that we participate in culture differently, not just around biological sex or gender identity, but obviously also around issues of race and ability and geography and ethnicity. Um, so do you think it's true that men and women think differently about money, Laura? Well, I think men and women both. And a lot of people in general don't understand what money is like money is not it's not a solid thing that always has a particular value. It is relative. A dollar can buy a particular amount of things or a particular thing in the United States. And that changes if you take that dollar and exchange it elsewhere. And that changes day to day. That changes hour to hour. <laughs> so it's not a solid unit of value all of the time. And prices change constantly. I do think that it is different for men and women. Women certainly earn less money than men. But also the money that they earn is relative in that, you know, there's there's a recent study that came out that women's products are like 20% more expensive uh -huh. than men's products. And that is... A kind of a way that money is relative. Like women are encouraged to buy products that are branded as female. But they also have to, like the tampon tax. Like yes. feminine hygiene products are have applicable sales tax, which is a tax on having a vagina. <laughs> I mean, it's an absurdity. So it's not just that men and women think about money and how they spend it. They're actually called upon to spend it in different ways. Men make more money up front. Women make money go further, even though our stuff costs more, because they are expected to buy family things or do the job of making a house a home or buy the gifts in a family, you know, or buy things that maintain a certain level of attractiveness so they get the raise or keep the job or catch a man to help them pay for a life that they cannot make on a one, one income you know, alone. And so it's not just that men and women think about money differently. Men, men and women use money differently and they get it differently. Right. Well, money doesn't exist as like individual units. It exists in amounts and your perception of it changes depending on the amounts that you have and also the things that you consider expenses. And certainly women have vast number of expenses that men are not subject to um, because women are subject to expectations. Yes. A vast number of expectations that men are not subject to. So the amount of money that women can use after such expectations are met is much smaller than the amount of money. Like if men and women are paid the same, even if their incomes are equal, the amount of things that women are expected to buy, makeup, tampons, which are 
not only expensive, but taxed on top of that. A larger wardrobe and more diverse wardrobe. Pros? And, yeah, pros. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and even, like, they're expected to do a lot of the house, you know, like, house home design and cooking, and they're responsible for a lot of... Domestic expenditures. Exactly. So, even if men and women are paid... Similarly, the amount that ends up being available that's left over after all of the baseline expenditures are met ends up being quite a bit smaller for women. So. But it's, it's also that women are not encouraged to think about how to talk about raises. They're not encouraged to ask for them. Over the course of their lifetime, they make less money. They're not encouraged to buy property to earn, or to invest in rental properties. So they're, they're not making money, especially in a post-recession economy where interest rates are so low, right? I mean, they're not encouraged to do that. There aren't any female clubs for investing, except for maybe the 1% of leaders. And then you have to have money to invest. So they're not being able to compound the money that they do have in meaningful ways to create wealth. And then my pet beef is always divorce because I meet women who are in these shitty marriages and they're being emotionally or sexually or financially abused by men who make their lives a living hell. And then when they get divorced, they're just like, I want to get out of this so bad. I'm not going to fight for what's mine. It's just going to make it harder for me. And they leave behind all this money that they're entitled to on the table. And that is all labor that they have done that they were not compensated for, that they are not getting in restitution as they end a marriage. And so, you know, I think about those women, I think about women who were homemakers and who do not have employment outside of the home, and then they get divorced and they haven't paid into Social Security. And some of them can claim dependency on their husband's Social Security, but they haven't paid into it as their own investment. And so then what happens to them in old age? I mean, there are just all sorts of structural ways that women get hosed about money. And I think that the, my biggest frustration is talking to young people who have no sense about how personal finance works, let alone like how global finance is a thing. Like they can't even see it on the most householdy level. They don't know what a 401k is. They don't understand how 401ks are a terrible substitute for what pensions used to be. They have no sense about how to invest or what how what the rackets are that investment you know, taps into, they don't understand their feelings about money or their desires for things. They don't know how to live under their means for the most part. You know, I mean, they're just all of this kind of financial literacy, basic literacy that is completely foreign to the majority of people in this country. And so they don't understand the risks that they're being asked to take financially. Well, you know, women, I don't know how much of this is culturally constructed or genetic or not, but women have a better innate ability to handle money than men. I mean, there's several studies that indicate, like, if you give money to a woman, like, to a household, and it goes to the woman, like, it's put in the hands of the woman. The money is spent on food, clothes. Gas. (laughs) Yeah. Mortgage. Yeah. Things that help care for the family. And if you give that money to men, and this is like additional money in excess of the budget that they expected for the month. If you give that money to men, they spend it on gambling, drugs, toys, <laughs> yeah, um, booze. And this is this is shown, I mean, it is across cultures. This happens across many cultures. So, I mean, 
yeah, there's little known about financial literacy, but women have a tendency to care more for other people and use money in those ways. And it's because that's they're more networked, Laura. <laughs> it's because that they are doing community building because they have to, to survive. So they're more responsible uh, in using that money for reasonable needs. That's why micro-lending was a huge topic of conversation in the 90s and the early 2000s is because the longitudinal data cross-culturally suggests that women are better with money, period. They use it in more responsible ways. It's difficult, too, because most of the household spending that takes place is by women. They're targeted by advertising. Um, they're pressured to spend a lot more than men. I, they are the primary household spenders and they are the direct target of a lot of advertising now. Like most advertisers, especially for like grocery and clothes retailers and like luxury items, almost more than half, if not far in excess of half of their customers are women. So they're more responsible with their money, but they're under all of these pressures, you know. Mm -hmm. Women are a major driving force in the retail economy, and that that's a, that's a lot of power, you know. It can be if that money were used to build wealth. Right. I mean, that's the problem, is that the money is not being used to build wealth. It's, it's purely consumatory. The other problem is that, you know, most money is made, a lot of money, most money is made through inheritance. And often it's men that are named as executors of the estate, and they, that means that they get paid out more money because they're named as the executor of the will. So even when, even when it's not just consumer spending and consumer habits, when we're thinking about property and wealth, that wealth is still being transmitted through primogenitor from male to male, male heirs. Women are not receiving the same amount of property, even if and when they can inherit property. And so that also creates massive inequalities, like if there's even property to own. It's also harder to save when you don't make as much, right? So it's like, okay, we, the wage gap is real. It's totally worse for black women and brown women, totally worse than it is for white women. Um, but then how do you even save when interest rates are so low? There are no real vehicles to compound interest. And like, what, what do you do then? I mean, it's a no-win situation. Even if you have financial literacy, I'm saying, right? There's none. But even if you had that, there are all these barriers set up to create inequality and to skew that wealth away from non-men, non-normative men. I think money is related a lot with power. And, like, most of the symbols of power now are, like, symbols of financial success and affluence and that's really unfortunate what I, what I really like about um, punk culture is that it emphasizes ways to be in the world without using money yeah totally so like it's a completely like <laughs> self-organized barter self economy. yeah yeah <laughs> and a lot of it a lot of the culture, celebrates even living in ways that require no money like squatting and dumpster diving and and they and they celebrate that and are loud about it 
you know. Uh-huh, and they, yeah. they, like, turn up the volume about the fact that they don't have a lot of money and that d- isn't a problem for them. So I really like that type of mentality. And I think that, you know, it's not realistic for a lot of them because they're under different expectations. And if you look at a lot of punk culture, women were included to a great degree, but that was mostly women-driven, you know. Yeah, 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 <laughs> They totally. pushed their way into that culture. Um and did so really successfully. But one place that I that just get, super pisses me off is gift giving, which I don't like. I feel like you know when you want to share with somebody, it makes sense for me to to give books and music and experiences. But I'm like, can we just not consume the things? Like, I want to turn off the baby boomers' impulse to give stuff as love. I think that would correct a bunch of stuff. And part of that comes from lack. I don't want people to feel like they can fill the holes in themselves by giving shit to other people. That is not a thing. That never accomplishes the goal. You don't feel better about yourself. And if you do, it's momentary and fleeting. And then you have to find another gift to do it. And I just want to take that away and and make it... I don't know, the stakes, lower the stakes around gift giving because I think it's a kind of canary in the coal mine, you know, that when people want to do really loud gift giving, they are covering up for tremendous amounts of lack within themselves and creating a set of expectations and obligations that really can never be fulfilled. And I feel like that is the driving impulse of capitalist culture is to create a cycle of desire and consumption that can never actually be fulfilled to displace, you know, the other kinds of human connection that we can really have. So I hate money and I think it's a pain in the ass, but insofar as I have it, I want to use it to create spaces where people can eat and drink and talk about books and music and ideas in ways that are productive for them and for the community that they live in. Thanks for listening. These materials are not endorsed, approved, sponsored, or provided by or on behalf of the University of Arkansas Fayetteville.